Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. The first reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, from the 56th chapter. I will be reading continuously, beginning in verse 1 through verse 8. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice, do what is right, for my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds fast, who who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name they shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be His servants, who all keep His Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast to My covenant, these I will bring to My holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at My altar, for My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples." Thus says the Lord God, who gathers outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. The word of the Lord. The gospel reading this morning comes from Matthew's gospel in the 15th chapter. Let us listen that we may hear what the Lord may say to us. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And the disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you have wished. And her husband, and her daughter was healed instantly. The word of the Lord. The word of God is Jesus Christ. That's a theological way of saying that we understand God's power and presence is in the word. The Greek word for that, the beginning of John's gospel, is is the word was in the beginning 
logos was that word, we capitalize it in English to dis- differentiate it from other words. There are other words we use to bear witness to the word, the words of Scripture, the words on the page are ways that we know and we see and we hear about the Word that is Jesus Christ. But sometimes it's easy to confuse the Word, the capital W, with the other words, little w, the words of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, not the words. When we read Scripture, we read not only the words that are on the page, but we also have to read between the lines. When we hear Scripture, we hear not only what is said, but what is not said. That capacity, that tool, that skill is something we work at all of our lives, and it is very true for the life of faith. I raise this up because there are at least two ways to hear and to read the gospel story this morning. Bible scholar Ken Bailey has suggested that Jesus is testing the woman and the disciples. The woman approaches Jesus as one who is in distress and is is in need. She pleads and implores Jesus to heal her daughter, to deliver her daughter from some awful condition. But Jesus acts as if he does not hear her. It is a human response to pass by. Bailey suggests that Jesus was, in fact, testing her to see if she would persevere. Jesus is also testing the disciples. The disciples say to Jesus, send her away. Scripture doesn't say who Jesus addresses, but he responds with a very direct statement, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That seemed to be what the disciples wanted to hear, but the woman persists. Doggedly, she persists. Jesus' answer in the version of the the translation of the Bible known as the message is quite plain. You might even say cruel. It is not right to take bread out of the children's mouth and throw it to the dogs. But the woman responds quickly when she is addressed in this fashion. You're right, Master. But beggar dogs do get the scraps from the master's table. Bailey makes the case that there is a word play here in Scripture. The word for dog that Jesus used described a little dog. And the word for scraps was also a a diminutive, a small amount or a small portion. A little dog deserves a little bit of scraps. You can make the case for that. What Bailey is really saying is the woman's faith was tested, and in that test, she passed. Because part of the test of faith that we all encounter is our persistence. 
However, he says, the disciples in that test failed. They wanted to exclude and to erect barriers. And Jesus said, by faith is more than simply what you may think it is. He builds this testing of the woman and the disciples on an assumption. The assumption is that when Jesus said, I did not come to, uh, I came only to address the lost sheep of Israel. When he says that, he was only speaking to the disciples. It was as if the woman was over here and he was talking to the disciples. And then he turns and speaks to the woman directly. And if you accept that, that is, that's entirely possible. He was testing the woman and he was testing the disciples. But there is another view, at least one other view. There may be more. Bible scholar Peter Hawkins reads this as if Jesus is addressing the woman from, from the beginning. The setting for this encounter is Jesus is speaking to them, to speaking to the woman in a region of the world that was not his home territory. He conducted so much of his ministry in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. But here we're told at the, be at the beginning of the reading, he has gone over to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is what we would think of today as being southern Lebanon, a good hike, not that close by. And he was dealing with people in that region who were not necessarily Jewish. So being outside of his home territory, being on a visiting field, as it were, without home field advantage, Jesus is saying in this statement, he is saying, I came to be only for the Israelites, and he is pushed on that. Maybe, maybe Jesus was tired. The, the encounters through Matthew's Gospels, he, he had learned that John the Baptist had been killed and executed. He had fed the, the crowd, the, the large crowd of people. He had tried to get away, to, to have a little bit of time for himself to pray, but the crowds kept following. Maybe Jesus was tired. And sometimes when we get tired, we say things we don't really think about a whole lot. We do affirm that Jesus was human as well as God. God in Christ came to be human. God who was divine in Christ came to be with us. God in Christ came to experience the fullness of humanity. Matthew is pretty clear throughout the whole scope, the arc of reading Matthew, is that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. You could make the case that there was enough work for him to do without having to deal with Gentiles and non-Jewish people. If you follow this reasoning, reasoning, then we could also think that maybe, maybe we were being tested as well. Not only disciples were being tested, but Jesus had to come to terms with what the prophecy, what the, the legacy, what the power of, of the incarnation meant. Just who did God come for in the world? Reading between the lines is necessary for us to cultivate. Hearing what is not said 
can be just as important as hearing the things that are said. Seeing what is not there can be vital so that we may see what is there. My hunch, actually, that last sentence just made me think, tomorrow we will have the eclipse. We will not see the sun, or a large portion of it. It does not mean that it is not there. We will see the effects of the eclipse. We must learn to know where to look and how to look. My hunch is that all of us have experienced that situation where we purposefully do not hear someone. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. My father's mother, late in her life, she lived to be 93, uh, had hearing loss issues. Yet it was quite remarkable she could be on the other side of the house, and if someone said something that she did not want anyone to hear, you would hear about it quite directly. Son, Sonny? Yes, yes. Yes, we have that capacity. It is a human capacity. Jesus talked about it. In the story of the Good Samaritan, in Luke's gospel, Jesus talks about a man who's beaten up and is lying on the road, and a couple of upstanding, good, solid citizens pass by. They don't see, they don't hear, they're preoccupied with whatever it is. We do that. We do that. Hubert Beck is a pastor that comes from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS is a very conservative denomination, very traditional, very much um, insular in that it wants to maintain the purity of its teachings and its practices. Beck ponders on this story of Jesus in Luke 15. He wonders how was it that Jesus is away from his home territory and a woman who was alien to the Jewish faith calls to Jesus in the terms of the Jewish faith. She calls out to him in messianic terms, Lord, son of David. That's messianic language. That's what, what Matthew is getting at, son of David. I'm, you're far from your turf, but I know you can help me. So why did Jesus put her off? In Matthew 8, Jesus tells, the story is told that Jesus heals the son of a centurion, a, a foreign army officer who is part of the Roman occupation of Palestine. Jesus healed one Gentile. Gentile, why would he not respond to another? Beck ponders and, and writes, there is a strange, surprising silence. Then, he notes, a most extraordinary thing occurs. This merciful one, this man filled with grace, this prince of peace speaks in terms that sound harsh and rude we may make attempts to try to make these words less harsh and less rude, 
but they are still there no matter how we want to revise them. Jesus speaks to this woman as the Israelites spoke to the Gentiles. They were dogs. They were outside of the fold. And there's really no way to change that, Beck says. The wonder, though, is that the woman continued to persist. She takes this rejection and she turns it so that it is plain that God in Christ does not reject people based on where they come from or their family lineage. And Jesus affirms her by saying, woman, your faith is strong. You will receive what you need. We affirm that Jesus was a master teacher. Maybe in this in-between-the-line stuff, he knew how this would all come out. But we are left with what is on the page and what the Spirit shares with us in our hearts. Persistence does produce results. And I know that Jesus provided what was needed in this story. In the story of Exodus, in the 32nd chapter, the children of Israel had gotten impatient with God and they instructed Aaron to build a golden calf and they fell down and they worshiped the golden calf. And when Moses returned with the commandments of the Lord, God was angry and upset and he swore vengeance and he said, I will destroy the people. But Moses interceded for the people. And depending on the version you use, different words are used. The King James Version says, after Moses interceded, the Lord repented of the evil he had thought to do to the children. The more modern version said, the Lord changed his mind. The message translation reads, the Lord thought twice about his plan all because Moses interceded. Jesus knew that. The prophecy from Isaiah that I shared with you has something of this as well. Again, from the message translation, make sure no outsider who follows God has ever the occasion to say, God put me in second class, I don't really belong. Make sure no physically mutilated person is ever made to think I'm damaged goods. I don't really belong. For God, there is no second class. For God, there are no damaged goods. We are here made in God's image. And God loves us and holds us. Just the other day, I was... I happened to be um, watching an episode of the Father Brown mystery. Father Brown was a character created by C.K. Jesterton, who was an English author, uh, uh, a ardent Christian. He converted from the Anglican, church, Anglican faith to the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and I, was, I had seen episodes of Father Brown before, but I was interested. Father Brown is a Roman Catholic priest who sort of goes around as a crime solver kind of like a Columbo with a cassock. And um, 
in this episode, there's a situation where a, 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 a baby has been born with uh, what we now would call thalidomide uh, deformities, and she dies. And the woman is in, the, the mother is in great grief. And at the end of the show, Father Brown says to her, to the mother, that God loved your daughter, Olivia, and he calls out her name. It's the first time the, anybody other than the mother had ever used the name of the child. God loves Olivia, and God loves you. That's a powerful testimony to put into contemporary fiction, contemporary media, and it is there. Henry Nouwen, a Dutch priest and theologian, summarized the Christian faith this way, only when we have come in touch with our own life, our lived experience, and have learned to listen to our inner cravings for liberation and new life, can we realize that Jesus did not speak, but that He reached out to us in, the most, in our most personal needs. The gospel doesn't contain ideas worth remembering. It is a message responding to our individual human condition. The gospel responds to our individual human condition, whatever that may be at this point. For those of you here, for those of us, wherever we are, the gospel responds to that. The Canaanite woman reached out to Jesus. She persisted, and Jesus did reach out to her in that vulnerable time. It is a story and a message of God responding to the, our human need. Yesterday in this space, we held a memorial service. It was a witness to the resurrection and a celebration of the life of a church member, John Connett. He loved this church. He said that in so many ways. He said that verbally, but he also said that non-verbally as well. He loved this church. And at the same time, he knew, he knew that in loving this church, he was loving the church of Jesus Christ in the world, wherever it was. Today, we baptized Peyton Jane. We baptized her in the same love that John spoke of. And there are connections, as I shared earlier. Her family are members of a church in Charlotte. So happens that one of John's daughters and her family are members of the same church. We are connected in ways through intersections that we don't completely understand all the time, but we know and we affirm and we trust that through Jesus Christ there is a bounty of grace and goodness so that even the crumbs are more than enough. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. 
May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.